lighthouse threatening the town of Otari shines no more. But the town's fate is still being written. These heroes surprised me. The heroes of Otari. The heroes of Otari bask in their stardom, but it dulls them, weakens them. They do not know the horrors that await them in the Abomination Vault. Creatures mutated beyond recognition. Things which should not be on this plane. Not to mention the horrible echoes of the past that still linger. Their weakness gives me hope. Their zealous quest gives me leverage. And they do not know the dangerous game that they are part of. Now, they play into my hand. We fade in midday over the ruins of Gauntlet. A mysterious keep erected around a landlocked lighthouse. And thanks to the heroes of Otari, it glows no more. But a more sinister enemy lies deep below. The sorceress Belcora has returned. And she intends to reactivate the gauntlet and use it to eradicate the city of Absalom from existence. As the camera floats down through the ground, we get a quick cut to a montage of our heroes moving through the gauntlet. They move through a dining hall, move some crates to find a trash chute entryway, and then begin to carefully slide down the trash chute, carefully moving their way over a dead blob of flesh, ending up near the familiar location, the resting place of Otari Ilvashi. We can see the smile in Otari's face, as he sees the four icons of the Rose Guard reunited. I see you have returned, as I knew you would. Like the beach whale said to the ocean, long time no see. Thank you, friends. Long time no see indeed. Anything new down here at the Gauntlet? All has been quiet since you successfully defeated Volok the mysterious entity in the infinite hallway has not left since okay. i think we are in the clear oh. if you don't mind oh right if <laughs> no 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 that's okay let me show you the way i cannot interact with those things anymore not in my current state okay but i feel strangely revitalized, as if bringing them together again gives me a glimmer of hope. Let me walk with you one last time and show you what needs to be done. And as Otari finally breaks free from this resting place where he has lasted and his, he's been bound here for 500 years, uh, you move through the caverns and we see the pavilion that you moved past just a few days before 
above the grove of glow of mushrooms growing on the banks of this stagnant water. And as Otari comes into view, we see or we hear barking and growling. Both the man and the wolf stand at attention, baring their teeth. Otari looks up curiously and simply yells, uh, boo! Comically, and the two immediately jump off the raised platform, splashing into the water below and rushing towards a small cavern in the back of the cave before disappearing from sight. Otari turns around and looks at you. Well, that was certainly anticlimactic. Yeah, I didn't know that's all I needed to do. How I have to talk to him and everything. All you have to do is be dead, I suppose. I, I guess it has its merits. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go this way. And uh, he begins leading you past this towards a small cavern, a small, like, kind of naturally carved slopeway that goes up. And um, as you kind of follow him and ascend into this, you see a long hallway filled with a line of sarcophagi. At the far southern end of the hallway, a swirling mass of faces twist and turn amongst themselves, creating a force field blocking the large staircase that heads down into the darkness. Otari stands, staring at the hallway at the end. The bodies of Bokora's defeated enemies lie here. When she returned, their souls, bound to her, did as well. They work to trap her now, living in agony, keeping anything from below from coming up, or anything here from going down. He turns a little solemnly and smiles at you. And as he turns, the camera moves with him, revealing behind him a large chamber with a shrine at the other end of the hallway. Glowing blue light flickers and pulses like fireflies within this octagonal chamber. A large 15-foot diameter platform sits in the middle of the chamber, three feet off the floor. An altar of rock sits atop, marked by seven deep indentations. At a glance, it looks almost as if a seven-fingered hand has gripped the stone with enough force to leave grooves behind. We see blue firefly-like flickers float out from these indentations, joining the rest of the lights floating around the room. And as your eyes are drawn to the walls, carved images of shrieking ghosts parade upwards. We see them float up towards a large pupil of a malevolent eye painted on the apex of the ceiling. It stares down, watching you. Otari whispers, the eyes of empty death. I've heard that name used to torment me for years. It's, uh, it's become stuck in my head, always whispering, always at the edge of my thoughts. And then pulling out of this kind of like intensity, he puts on a smile and looks at Nulara. 
eye, Captain. Ah, ah, he points up at the eye. Get it? Right. Are we ready to do this? Yeah. All four icons need to be placed on the altar here. That will put the spirits to rest, uh, mine included. And the, uh, the rest is up to you. And I, I, hand. I, because of the eyes, I get it. I get it. Very funny, Odari. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very good. This one, quick. Are we going to vote on if we put these on here or not? I say the eyes have it. Ah, uh, I am leaving this quest in the best of hands, I must say. I am having a headache, but here's the blade and the book. The blade looks good on you, I must say. Thanks. You look more like Val than you did just a few days ago. You have her intensity. Oh. Thanks. So what do we do? He kind of motions over to his, there's this like 15 foot kind of round altar with this like stone on top of it. And what he tells you is basically just walk up. You just need to walk up and make sure that the icons all make contact with the stone. And that should be enough to trigger our souls to rest. Okay. Hmm. Well, that seems easy. Let's go. Uh, I'm going to call Clovis. I'm going to go to Clovis really quick and hand him um, Zarmavian's book. Clovis, I don't want you to be left out. Come on. And then I hand it to him. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Morlybent was very specific on the handling of this book. He wouldn't know. Um, everybody, at least six feet back. No heavy breathing, no loud talking. The moisture in the air. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and then move to get the book ready. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm very impressed that you actually honored his wishes. I guess, you know, you like him a little bit after all, don't you? During that training, I'm going to make use of it. <laughs> very good. <laughs> and then I, I hand Clovis the uh, Otari's lockpicks. I said, here, you could, you could place these on there. Oh. Perfect. Thank you, Mukta. So, like, you know, one by one or all four at the same time, I suppose, you guys kind of all approach and you take the icons and um, it's a little anticlimactic because I don't know who would go who would go first. I assume maybe like Nulara like steps up and like places the blade and kind of is expecting something amazing to happen. And as you like lay it down, there's like no reaction. Nothing happens. It's, it's a little strange. Are we doing this right? Am I doing this right? Nothing's happening. Otari kind of laughs. You act like I know what I am doing. I'm just guessing at this point. Uh, and then I wait and I look at the rest of them to start putting the rest of the icons. Clovis would come up, but Clovis, I'm looking at these lock picks and Muta realizing, you know, how important Steve tools are to Muta. I'm feeling pretty good that he let me have a, have these to put on him. So. Clovis comes up and puts him on the altar. Mukta hasn't even picked up the book yet. It's laying on a very nice cloth on the ground. <laughs> He's wiping <laughs> off the edges. <laughs> oh, I guess it's me. All right, here. Here is the brooch. Uh, it looks better on you, Lara, but I will put it on the ground. Yep. So now three of the four icons are touching the stone. Um, and how long do you spend preparing this book, Mukta? Probably take... I. 
I'll be working for like the next five minutes unless somebody interrupts me. <laughs> Perfect. So you guys just turn it like there's this moment you all turn and look and you guys are all standing around and Mukta is just very carefully doing his work and just leaving you there. Otari's just like tapping his foot. <laughs> Listen, I do not have all day. Okay. Actually, well, I do. Uh, you've had 500 years. Uh, what's another five minutes? Somehow this feels worse. <laughs> uh, I'll, <laughs> and be then... done. I'll be done in a minute. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> so eventually Mukta does, you know, the, like we get a shot outside and like the sun goes across the sky above the gauntlet and then we get back to Mukta, right? And uh, yeah, so Mukta finally, when you, when you are ready to go, can you describe what you do? Uh, I very gingerly uh, first place the cloth that was that Morley Bent gave me on the on the altar and then the book on the cloth. Okay. And so you do that, right? And like as you do that, within a moment, all four of these objects you've placed on the altar begin to kind of pulse with like an intense white light. And the whole like rock and altar begins to glow. Oh. Like a radiant energy. And uh the camera kind of shifts over to like Otari who's watching you. And um, Otari is smiling and nodding. And you can actually see he does have like a slight bit of tears or some water coming out of his eyes. And he says, Now, you truly are my heroes. The heroes of Otari. And a bright white light flash emanates from the altar, reverberating down the hallway. And as it meets the barrier, it begins to crackle with energy. One by one, the cries of anguish are replaced by sighs of relief. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The voices echo, whisked off to the afterlife. Otari begins to fade. Remember, never speak ill of the dead. It would be a grave mistake. He says, they had like, for me. Please tell her to send me a message. Thank you. Even in death, this guy is more like Mukta or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Atari fades away, released from his duty. The burden of the knowledge now passed on to you, the heroes of Otari. And as you gather the icons back up, you look down the long hallway, sarcophagi lining them, the barrier at the end released, revealing a long stairway down deep into the darkness. The abomination vaults await. What would you like to do? Here we go. Well, that, that's it, right? We can go home? No. Mission's accomplished, I think. No, I don't think so. Also, just to clarify, the icons were not destroyed or anything. After the, f the white flash recedes, uh, the four objects are just lying there like they were normally on the rock. Hmm. Detect magic? Yeah, you throw out that detect magic. Uh, huge, huge. I think the strongest magical effect you get in here is an aura of necromancy radiating off this stone. I don't think we leave. We we should be leaving this stuff here. There is a 
necromancy on this stone, so I think we should grab it and go. Okay. Mukta, oh my god, the book, the book, the book. It's getting black. Uh, the edges, Mukta, the edges. Mukta pulls out a identical cloth that he laid out on the altar in the ground. He's got a bunch of that Morleep and gave him. <laughs> he has to use a new one every time. So then he rap, grabs the book gingerly, pulls out another cloth, throws that one away, wraps it around, and then very gingerly places it back in Ulara's back. Very I nice. casually pick up the blade. <laughs> I pick up the... Uh lock picks and i uh, come over and hand them back to mukta so thank you <laughs> thank you my friend uh, you took good care of them okay guys i get the brooch and i pin it on i think it looks good looks good uh, i think uh mara mara will wear that i think you're right so we go uh, this way or do we really want to go back up it's We're a long way back up. And ready to go. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. Can we see? Is there a? Are there lights lining up this hallway or? The the blue like basically where uh, you guys are. This room, this chamber is filled up with kind of like a blue, uh, glowing light. But anyways, yeah, you go. You're, you're looking down this hallway. The blue light from this chamber, this like kind of firefly like light. It does cause like a blue glow down this sarcophagi lined hallway that that reaches just at the edge of the step. So it's like super dim light, but it is pretty dark and you can see where the stairs start descending. It definitely descends into like pitch black darkness. Uh, you want me to cast uh, light on your shield, Nalara? Yeah, we can do that. So, uh, so I go out, touch your shield and cast ready, I'm uh, ready. light. Okay. So you touch the shield, the new like yep. sturdy shield begins glowing with like pulsing light from Clovis as the, the room around you lights up and you can see like in the sarcophagi, they kind of have like windows for the, for the faces would be. And in each window, you can see like a skeleton just lied to rest inside. See, I always thought they said that the, their eyes were the window to the soul, but um, I guess it's these things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, from here, it seems like to go, if, if you guys are not going to abandon your quest, if you're going to take up the mantle that Otari has given you, there's this huge, at the end of the hallway, right? Now that the barrier has fallen, now that the souls have been put to rest, the staircase is like 15 feet wide. It's like a huge staircase, like a grand staircase, and it just goes down. And from where you are, you can't really see even the bottom of it. Going down... Hey guys, the deeper we're getting in here, the hotter we're becoming. <laughs> because we're hot. Because we're hot. Heroes of Atari. Okay. See, this hell. is why I don't do it. Um, oh, I thought you meant we're, we're going light. to hell. We're going to hell? Well, we're going down. You said hot. I thought, I thought maybe you were talking hot, about us going to hell. I, I have no idea what any of you are talking about. I, I get it now. Where'd you come from? <laughs> so surely but surely you guys head down we are in exploration mode so i'm kind of looking for maybe like a marching order and or exploration activities you guys are you know this is wide enough room it's like 15 feet across so you could walk like side by side in like threes you know comfortably or single file i mean you guys tell me exactly how you want to proceed i shall be in the front you guys want to go two by two just dig of a stairwell 
I'd probably be lurking in the back at the edge of the light, so. Perhaps we uh, make a shape like a diamond, and uh, Mukta will be in the back, and I will stand next to you, Clovis. Like a diamond. <laughs> Are that there, works. like, any writings on the walls? Good question. I think, so this is the kind of interesting thing, like the window, right? I said you can kind of see the face in the window, and you look, as you walk down the hallway and get closer to look for any kind of writings, most of the hallway seems like natural caverns it's not really carved to look like a dungeon necessarily like you have been dealing with above so it looks fairly natural so there's no place for like actual carvings the only real features of this walkway are the sarcophagi and as you, every time you get close to one the entire sarcophagus begins to change and become see-through and you can see inside the full skeletal body like lying there like posed but there's no like names. There's no information about who they are. And then as soon as you kind of move past it, it like disappears back to like a full stone sarcophagi. That is uh, yeah. very strange. Yeah. We're probably going to see more of the weird stuff when we go further down. And then, and Mukta, make sure you uh, keep an eye out for those traps for us. Always. So what are your guys' activities? Uh, I Just will be the usual. scouting. Scouting, okay. Mm -hmm. Avoiding notice. Avoiding notice, of course. Hal and Clovis? Doing the detect magic as we go along. I think that will be good for me. As you move through the sarcophagi, there's definite heavy levels of like enchantment magic coming through. I'll, um, I'll be searching. I'm looking for any anything that's out of the ordinary, secret doors, anything like that. Sure. If you would like, Clovis, can you make me a perception check? If you can, roll it as a secret perception check. So yeah, so you guys kind of march down um, through this this chamber, uh, getting towards the end. Let's see. You do notice one thing, uh, Clovis, that catches your eye, right? As you guys are all walking through, about halfway down on the right-hand side, so facing to the west of the room. One of these sarcophagi, it actually is missing a body. There's there's no body inside of it at all. It's the only one as you come down that has no body in it. And everyone has kind of seen this and kind of moved past, but you like see and you stop and you do look at like kind of the rock formation on the wall behind the sarcophagi. And as you do this, you realize it almost looks like they're like the sarcophagi is like attached to some sort of like abnormality in the wall, kind of like a secret door is hiding behind the sarcophagus. Hey guys, uh, take a look at this over here. Hmm. Notice there's no body inside. Looks like uh, maybe maybe a door or something behind there. Not quite sure. Mukta, uh, you're better at looking at that than I am. I don't know. You have quite the eye, my friend, for catching that. Uh, quite the eye, but uh, you have quite the eye for traps and. If that is real. I will investigate the wall. Why don't you give me a perception check? Okay. So as you take a look at the, the wall, you begin searching for a while. The, the sarcophagus opens easily. It's not locked. And there is definitely a false back to this side. And it takes you some time working around the edges before you eventually come to figure out like uh the activation thing there's like this one pressure point that like you push in and you hear like a tiny clicking noise and the back wall like swings open a little bit and you've revealed the false back to this sort of 
chamber. Well, Clovis, it, you were right. Yeah, and you 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 can put, as you push the door right, it's just darkness beyond, and it looks like the, from the little light spilling out, you can see like a small kind of narrow cavern entrance that you like for you, Mukta, you could just walk through, but everyone else is kind of gonna be like pretty tight. I don't need an architect with some sense. Um. <laughs> uh, we want to keep it dark or have uh, dancing lights down there or put Nular in the front with her light? I I mean, if, uh, Hal, if we want to see the three of us, I think then uh, <laughs> we need some form of light, yes? Uh, I think so. I can see pretty good, but not perfect, no. So do we want to take this... Uh, this hallway here or do we take the main door i mean there's got to be treasure behind the secret door the secret treasure huh of oh. course i mean yeah. you don't put a secret door to like a bathroom or something that'd be ridiculous <laughs> i don't know i mean just think about it nobody could bother you let's <laughs> uh let's go to the let's take the secret door okay can you fit through there Lilara? I don't know. I'm going to try. You'd be able to, like, getting through that. Like, you're, you're squeezing a little bit to get out of the back of the sarcophagus, but not too much. Probably because you have that shield and your weapon and you're kind of bulky with your armor. It's a little finessing, but nothing that requires a roll. And then once you're through there, it opens up a little bit to where you can move without being, like, hunched over or anything. If somebody tried to squeeze past you, that's when we start running into issues, right? So yeah, you you can step back into that room. Why don't you make a perception check for me, Nulara, as you get into this kind of secret chamber you revealed? Uh, twenty-six. Twenty-six, not bad. So you step through, and as you kind of take your first steps, dark like towards this like darkened cave, which for you you can see right in the black and white uh, monotone vision you have. Uh, it's not so much what you see, although in the cave that begins to open up ahead, you do see lots of scattered bones just on the floor. It's more what you hear standing here. And you hear this strange hissing, this kind of like uh, stepping noise, and it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up because you've heard this noise before. You flash back to the graveyard, to the Scalithrax you fought in the graveyard, beamed on top of you so many like weeks ago. And you can hear multiples of these things existing in the cave up ahead. Um, I know. And who's behind me right now? Or is it just me? I don't know who would be right. Who would be the next one coming up behind? Is it Hal or is it uh, Clovis? Probably Clovis. Okay, so it's Clovis right behind you. Clovis. There's a bunch of spiders right, right up ahead. The Scalithrax. Not the spiders again. Uh, Did you say oh, a bunch, bunch, bunch of them? I, or oh, just... The Scalithrax. One? A lot. It, they sound like a lot. I mean, I know they have a lot of legs, but it sounds like more. It definitely sounds like multiple, but it's hard to place if it's more than two or not. But definitely multiple. They almost sound like they're like fighting with each other and kicking. You can hear bones like kicking around. I can try and scout it, but I'm not exactly the stealthiest person here. From the back, you hear, What's the hold up? Onward towards treasure. Spiders. So just squish them. It's fine. There's spider. It's an old 
dungeon. There's going to be spiders. The huge one that almost ate now. Oh, those spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. I can look to, like, crawl over everyone. I know you guys aren't too happy with Mushi knocking that the lag tight on down, but maybe we can send Mushi out by head. Can Mushi see in the dark? He can, and I can see to Mushi, so. Not a bad idea, then, maybe. I will start playing the last song, the, the marching home for Mushi. <laughs> Hopefully quietly in this dark, quiet cave. Yep. Uh, okay, so we see Clovis do the thing he does where he loses his senses in himself, and again, he peers through Mushi's eyes. And what do you have Mushi doing? As Mushi is flying up and trying to get a visual on the spiders to see how many there are or anything else you might see in the cave. Yep. So he, uh, he in this case, he's creeping up to like the edge of the cave and he's trying to like, because there's not much cover, right? From where you are, the cave opens up. So he can't necessarily just fly through without being seen, but he can get up to the edge and kind of fly and hover and maybe yeah. get a good look. So why don't you give me uh, a stealth check for Mushi? Which last time didn't go so well. Before. Very cool. Okay. So Mushi kind of scouts up. He doesn't go too far ahead of you. He's only about five or 10 feet ahead of you, Nular, because it's not too long of a chamber before it opens up into the cavern. And Mushi, uh, or I guess technically Clovis through Mushi's eyes, you stealth, you snuck up, you look around, and you do a quick glance. You can see in this kind of pen, it looks like a holding cell of some sort. It's just a cavern. It's just a round cave. The whole floor is strewn with bones wall to wall and tattered bits of cloth and metal. Just discarded bodies that have been fed on upon these things. And looking at these two beasts kind of fighting each other, they are dangerously short on food. And it looks like maybe they haven't been fed properly in a little while and they look really hungry. And you immediately like pull back. There's only two of them. You get a good look at them and scout it out without them apparently noticing you. I come back into my senses. Uh, there's two spiders in there, guys. And uh, lots of bones, lots of... Just lots of bones everywhere. There and does, they, uh, I will say, a distinct lack of apparent treasure. Um, didn't see any treasure, but uh, these things look like they have not been fed in a while. It looked like they're actually trying to eat each other right now. Was it a dead end or did it, was there another way through? There was a, at the other end, I didn't say it, but at the other end of this cavern, there is another chamber that kind of snakes off yeah. Yeah, no. and you turns. Yeah. It uh, it's like through. on the southern end of the cave. So maybe, uh, maybe the treasure's further in. Hmm. Maybe they have the I spiders mean, protecting the treasure in this particular area. You put a secret door and you put your dangerous pets to guard the pathway of the secret door, then seems reasonable. Uh, kind of standard villain headquarter procedure in Set my up. line of work. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to do so? We, uh, so we try to kill these spiders? I mean, if you said that they were weaker, so maybe mm. we have. Uh, better I'm, I'm not about weaker. They're definitely hungry, which means uh, they're, they see us, they're going to want to eat us. 
Very true. But we're also stronger than the last time we fought that one Scalithrax. Very true. And um, if I remember correctly, what did, what kind of abilities did this that thing have? Recall knowledge. Yeah, why don't you make a recall knowledge? I wasn't trying to do it. I was asking them if what they remembered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can ask them. You know, if some oil slick thing? Clovis, you were pretty up close with that thing, if I remember correctly. What do you remember of... Uh... Clovis, I said half. Huh. I, I don't remember. GM, what do I remember? Make a recall knowledge. Um, I, If you have specific lore in this case... Actually, you know, you have Caverns Lore, right, Mukta? This would actually apply to Caverns Lore, but also you can use Nature if you want, Mukta, uh, okay. Clovis. Yeah, that's because I was, my Nature's not that great, I think. Yeah, this is, you know, these live in Caverns. These would definitely. Um, so you can both make it if you want. Actually, my Nature's pretty good. Never mind. <laughs> oh, man, I changed my dice. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. No, I mean, Clovis, uh, as you do your check, right, uh... If you don't remember a lot. The one thing you definitely remember is that they had, they definitely had like a flammable, oily sheen to them. That's all Chloe can remember. Oh, that's right. I that's right. Maybe try to remember right. what I uh, remember. Yeah, as make well. your make your cavern lore call knowledge as well. I'd actually like to use nature. Okay, you can make nature. The DC for nature is going to be a little harder because it's less specific. Ah, okay. It, the more specific your skill, the more uh, the lower the DC. So it's up to you how you want to do it. Alright, that's a 25. Nice. Perfect. Scalithraxes. You have a vivid memory of it having a very potent venom, which you then extracted from its body. Uh, actually, it had the venom, but you did extract... What you extracted was the oil from them, yep. and you were able to extract it and sell that to make some powerful yeah, uh, alchemical right. stuff. Uh, but it does also include a uh, some toxic oil that it can also spray. So it can eject that, like oil and spray it on you which can kind of poison you and then it makes you very flammable right so uh i think don't bunch together in this fight huh spread out so yeah. is that the plan we're gonna go in and attack the scalifaxes if we want to go through i mean we we can <laughs> always take the main door if you want all right no it's just you're right though there must be something there Seems or reasonable. if it's a very uh, clever and witty villain, then they'll place a secret door as a red herring to try to make you force you to go through, fight more monsters, and then the actual easier way was the main way. It gets a bit tricky. Mm, okay, let's take a vote. Who wants to? I personally want kind of to fight it, but that's just. Well, Hal, you're whispering again. I can't hear you. I, he, she's told me not to be really loud because I wanted to play my music. Sorry, but I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what I did. Yeah. I think this, this might be good for my fireball. I can actually catch them on fire. Burn them oh, all. Wait, 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 wait. Clovis. Okay. Yeah. Look, this is very important. If any of us get oil on us, do not cast fireball. Maybe you should do that preemptively. Okay. Um, understood. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. Acid splash is totally fine, though. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is kind of the interesting sort of um, take here, right? You guys are kind of sneaking up, and you kind of have the advantage here on on attacking them, you know, surprising them in a way because they haven't noticed you yet. But in order to do this, 
like to, to get in there without them completely noticing you guys are going to have to use your stealth to kind of enter combat right otherwise it's more of a like you know charging the battle you're not being particularly stealthy about it either way they're rolling you know perception against whatever skill you guys use to uh to fight right so in this case i have you lined up I, the order i have you guys lined up in is uh nulara clovis al mukta in the back is this correct right is it too okay. late to like maybe consider changing exploration activities and instead do follow the expert no this would be a perfect time for something like that with Mokta's stealth? Uh-huh. Great idea. Would I be in front then? Yeah, would he be in the front though? I mean, I don't think he necessarily has to be in the front. Just that he's directing your stealthiness, right? Like, don't so, step can you... on that thing, don't. Okay, so yes, everyone can make a stealth roll here. Oh, and your token has the wrong name. I don't know how that happened. Fixed. Can I play something for you? <laughs> so yeah, so it looks like everyone makes a stealth you roll for your initiative, right? Yeah, go ahead and add yourself to the combat. You're gonna roll the stealth roll. You're also going to add plus two because Mukta's expert and your level. So you actually are getting a total of plus seven to your stealth roll, whatever you roll. Wow! In addition to the modifier that we already have. I don't think so. I think it replaces whatever your modifier is with that. Okay, gotcha. Do we get a plus seven to our roll? Is that what you're saying? Your level plus Mukta's bonus becomes your bonus still. So it's, you actually get plus seven. If your personal stealth is higher, feel free to use your own. No. Otherwise, not. you can use plus seven for your stealth. Yep, seven to it. Yeah, add yourself to combat. That's a 33 for good Mukta. Lord. Yeah, that's pretty good, Mukta. So you roll the natural 20 on your stealth, plus the 7, and gives you a 27. Okay. So, you guys definitely, you all got the drop on the enemies. Yes. So, Mukta, you are in the back, but you are first. Hmm. An army crawl over everyone. I'm going to delay my turn. So you delay. That makes the perfect sense. So that goes... It can be Hal or Clovis, are your guys' choice? I would say uh, I'm going to play some music really loud, so Clovis, you, you go ahead. Okay. Clovis is going to throw a fireball in there at the skies. Yes. Yep, so you can see right in the center of the chamber, right? Yep. So you, you see one at the edge of the light. You can hit the center of the chamber. It'll avoid all of you guys. With the... All right, that's a save for the guys. Basic reflex save. Uh, that's a success on the first one, a failure on the second one. Nice. Why don't you go ahead and roll damage? Pretty good. 28. Damn. Damage. Nice. Wow, that's pretty good. So the one in the front saves and takes half. The one in the back takes full damage as there's like the small chamber. <laughs> The explosion goes off, fills the chamber, and you can see in the front, Nulara, all the oil on the skin at the, the surface of these spiders are completely consumed and like, and their normal slick sort of like scale, scaly skin is gone and they're, it's like very like rough again. Whatever oil was coating them is now gone. Nice. Actually, no, they are weak to fire, so they actually take five more damage than that. Yeah. 
All right, not a bad opening move. Okay, I'll raise my shield, and that'll be my turn. All right, how? I would like to uh, delay till before the Skeletrix. Perfect. And Mukta, you're still delaying too? I was hoping that people might get out of the way. Yeah, I'll wait till Nulara, after Nulara goes. Okay, Nulara. Okay, for my first action, I'm going to use 20 feet of movement to move right behind the Skeletrix right here. Okay. Uh, second action, I'm gonna hit it with my longsword. Please do. Uh, with Encore's blade. Okay. Yeah. It's so, been a while since you fought one of these. That's a Ooh. 35 to hit. That's a critical. <laughs> hit. Guys. Crits in the chat. I. Crits in chat. Yes, yes. Oh, that would be 28 points of slashing damage. Nice. Oh, look at that wow. slashing. Uh, mm. Yep. And All right. It takes the full damage. Awesome. And it's very, very badly injured. You cut through it. It like falls down. It's almost already dead. Oh, nice. Uh, for my second act, uh, third action, I'm going to try and hit it again. Go for it. Let's see. Um, 22 to hit. It's a hit, but not a crit. Okay. That would be nine points of slashing damage. All right. Nine points, not quite as much this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one brings it down to his last leg. Like, I think seven of the eight legs are dead. It's like hobbling around on one leg, but it's still alive. Okay. <laughs> That's the end of my turn. All right. So now, Mukta, you were delaying to this moment. Yep. I scurry forward and uh, I can move through allies. Wait, does it cost extra movement? Mm -hmm. um, because of the narrow sort of caverns we're in, I think it does. Would that be a squeeze? Difficult terrain. Uh, not quite a squeeze, it's just difficult terrain. Okay. Um, is tumble through an action? Can I believe it is, yes. Yeah, so you can tumble through to get through your allies and move your full speed, I believe. That would be a, a cool alternative. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'd be using two actions to get through, so. Well, one has style. True. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, well, uh, as long as I can get to here, uh -huh. I'll tumble through. Yep, uh, you can if you if you do your like four-legged run. So make your acrobatics check, and if you're successful, you're gonna get a hero point. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, you get a hero point. Oh, 29. Yeah, you're cool. So it's I actually don't tumble under them. I actually uh, back up a foot and then I start running up the walls on all fours uh -huh. and bouncing oh, oh. off from side to side uh, over their heads. And then I land here. Yes, you will. Awesome. And then yeah, I can very continue awesome. the rest of the way running. Yes, you do. And then for my third action. All right, so no, my uh, second action, I will uh, quick draw, pull out my rapier and attack this one here. And since I am acting before them in combat, it is flat-footed. It is flat-footed, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. All right. That's oh, the 31. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Every that's Sunday, so Sunday, well. Sunday, Sunday. Sunday rolls. All right, let's see this damage. Yeah. yeah, I guess actually because you have the contortionist feet, you probably could have done it without a check, but you you got style anyways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dead. 
Nice. You because like normally even when you tumble through it's difficult terrain, right? But because you have the because acrobatics have, feet, yeah. it doesn't slow you down, which is why you're able to move your full speed. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Nice. Awesome. So that's only uh two actions so far. Mm -hmm. With my third action, I will aid Nulara. Very cool. Mm. So how are you prepping to aid Nulara? What is your aid action comprised of? I will just go be go, uh, trying to faint and create a distraction. Using like an attack or a deception? Like how are you like, mm. you're basically just gonna like get his attention so Nulara has like an opening of some sort? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, I'm going to try to I'm use deception to faint and act like I'm going to attack. Nice. I like it. Nice. Alright. Very cool. Uh, this brings us to the other delayed person, which is Hal. Alright, I want to uh, move in past... Uh... Yep, so it's, it's difficult terrain to get through Clovis. So that's uh, 10, that's 15, 15 feet to there. Yep. 25, I will use one action to do a uh, Inspire Courage, but not the... Okay. Uh, not the extended version not the lingering the regular one yep just the just the short remix got it yep the short remix not the extended uh, track <laughs> okay got my mind on my money or on the treasure uh, uh, it well again no treasure present let us have our dream steve let so, us have so our you guys get the one one round inspire courage all right and then you still have one more action and i will uh Cast the shield. Shield. Okay. Hey guys, remember when I said we shouldn't bunch up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking that too. Not a bunch of room here. Uh, but um, this thing like looks over at you. It looks like it kind of like almost like wants to like squirt something out of its glands. As it does, you can just see like little embers still like burning out of it. Like, like it's been burned up and it can't do what it wants to do. So instead, it angrily like charges right here makes a move action right next to you, Mukta. And then it uses its jaws to try to bite you. Does a 21 hit? A 21 misses. Nice. Sunday rolls. Yeah, you're trying to get it. Wham, it misses, right? It does have a second sort of a jaw strike. It really wants to eat you because it's so freaking hungry. So it is going to take a second attack. Does a 19 hit? Can't touch this can't test this and like that its turn is over it's unable to land a strike on you you guys are doing much better than when you were level two clovis <laughs> it's your turn all right so clovis will move up where i can see this thing yep, move right out to the edge of the cave right where mushu was kind of peeking around the corner just moments yep. before and i will do my acid splash at it wouldn't be acid splash without an ally in range oh yeah that's a crit all right Roll, roll the damage on that. This is going to do uh, 1d6 plus your wisdom modifier, which is 4. So that's... You roll the 6, so that's 10 points of acid damage, which it is uh, not resistant to at all. It also takes Unsplash damage, 2 right? persistent damage. And Mukta, you take 1. All right. Sorry, Mukta. I welcome it at this point, oh. Clovis. <laughs> okay. And that is my turn. All three moves. Actually, it would do double that because you rolled a crit, yeah, it was right? A crit, right? Yeah, it's what I Yeah, so thought. six double to 12. It would be 10 
So 20 points of damage yeah, instead of 10, so it takes 10 more. Okay, still alive, but again, looking really hurt. Nulara? Okay, so for my first action, I'm going to stride next to the Scalothrax. Uh, okay. Would this be considered flanking? It is not considered flanking here, unfortunately. Okay. I'd, have to, I'd have to be here. Yeah. Yeah. On the other side of the wall. It's all right. Okay, for my second action, I'm going to hit him again okay. with my blade. So, I will use so in this moment, to aid. exactly, this triggers Mooch's reaction as he faints an attack to draw the spider's attention. So go ahead and use your deception roll. The DC's 20 on this. All right. Nice. Yep. 24. Oh, oh, yeah. So that's a success. So, Nulari, you're going to get a plus one circumstance bonus to your attack roll here. That's nice. Okay, Very cool. perfect. So that would be another plus one. Maybe this stacks with the plus one status bonus of Inspire Courage. Mm -hmm. So in total, that would be 28 to hit. That's a hit. Perfect. And that is... I don't think it's possible to not kill it here. Uh, 13 points of slashing damage. Dead. Okay. Oh, and wow. like that, and snap, and just a few seconds, you dispatch all the Scalothraxes that were in this cave. You breathe a sigh of relief, and the whole area around you goes completely quiet. There sounds like there's no more Scalothraxes coming from deeper into the darkness. That was a great opener, Clovis. Prince, felt good. Uh, yeah, you were right about us being stronger. Get the shit out of these guys. Yeah. These are level four creatures. So at level two, they're scary. At level five, they're less so. However, the, the, the battlefield is done. The singed bones from the center, like charred, you know, burning sort of like blackened bones fill the chamber. All the cloth, anything that was left here on the ground has been burned away by the fireball. It's kind of like pushed all the bones from the center outwards, leaving a clear path. Again, no treasure. However, as you look kind of further down towards the end of the cave, you can see it kind of like continues south, opens, and heads back in another small cavern, similar to the one you just came through. Shall we move forward? Also, this would be a good time to reflect on how far in power you guys really have come in just a short time. Very cool. Uh, let's, uh, let's push on. Okay. All right, let us go. So you guys continue. Uh, you guys go back down this tiny, tiny, narrow way to the south. Um, and as, as you guys do push down to the south, down, you come across a dead end. But from this side of the wall, it's very obviously like a false wall that you can just kind of like, like just pull towards you. There's like a handle there. So like uh, Nulara kind of goes up, pulls the handle, like there's no traps, Mook doesn't find traps. And as you open the handle, you find yourself staring from the back wall of a kitchen. A kitchen? Yeah, there's a strange squat iron stove with no chimney sits within the southwest corner of this room. And there's like a you're basically right behind this table. You literally have to either climb over the table or push the table out of your way. And there's an open door. And as you turn and look, you know, past the open door, you see a familiar looking dining room. One where you were no more than an hour ago and where a couple days ago you fought Volok himself. You went around a circle. We did a circle. That is correct. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Very Again, no treasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we formed up. Sorry, Mooka. It was fun killing those spiders. Though. It was, you know, we we needed to get, you know, shake out the cobwebs, get a little bit of calisthenics and, you know, so. That's true. The other interesting thing to note is by knowing this route, 
you've now found a new way to get towards the staircase down that doesn't involve mm-hmm. going down trash chutes and through muck air covered slides and through like werewolf infested territory. You could just come this way and get right back to where to the uh the staircase down. So there's some slight silver lining to your guys's mm-hmm. exploration. Alarm many will be happy. They have to get dirty. Well, that's that's, that is true. All right, so, uh, which, are go. we going to ever deal with that werewolf guy? Didn't he, like, kill somebody? Oh, yeah, it's Clovis's... Do you know who, Claire? We never got the answer, but, uh, I think he is the one that was killing people in town, and they said they ran him out of town, but... Killed someone's but, wife. I, I think, uh, oh, yeah. I think I remember yep. this. Yep, yeah. but I, th- I think that that's him down here, hiding. I mean, maybe one of the times when they come back up, we just, you know, do the same things we did to him. That we did yeah, to the spiders. Really mm. uh, I Let's do it. You guys are feeling yourself now, aren't you? Didn't the Atari chase him away? Yeah, yeah we just say, boom. We can he did, that. in a matter Ooh. of fact, because he scared him and he did like jump off this raised pavilion towards a small kind of my hidden chamber in the back of the cave. So you saw, you know, the cave system he kind of ran out of, Hal. So he's not currently here, so you could... If you really want to track him down, you could follow him up that caverns and stuff. He has, for the immediate moment, fled his territory. Yeah, he's in our face. We we get him. You know, just like the spiders, we will a little bit, get a little bit stronger, and then one time when we're coming back up or going back down. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's focus on the mission. I think we should... Yeah, let this uh, move down. Continue. Yeah, I think, too, as you kind of, like, turn around and go to leave, Nulara, you notice, like, hanging on the back of the door, there's actually something here that was kind of hidden before. I think it falls loose as the door kind of jostles, and you see, like, a very nice-looking whip falls to your feet that was tucked kind of in an alcove back here. Oh, it's a whip. So I've... I've... I've made this loot object available if you want to loot it, uh, or I can just add it to your sheet if you want, Nular. Okay, I didn't even know I was here. <laughs> Got it. I'll just I'll just drag it to your sheet. So you do find this whip, and how you put out a ping, and it's full of enchantment magic. It's actually oh. a plus one ghost touch whip. Oh. It is a whip. Uh, it has got enchantment on it. Uh, I'm not sure what it might do, but uh, I'm not sure. Can I use this? Uh, maybe you can use this, Mukta, better. Then your short bow? Not sure. I mean, I, I don't think that's quite the range of my short bow, but um, they're not. Oh, wow. This is really cool. It does have a reach. So it does have a 10 foot reach. Mm-hmm. You know, it allows you to trip people and use it as a finesse weapon. You're loaded to the max right now. So even holding this whip is enough to make you encumbered. So you probably will want to pass it on to someone else. So is it, you said it has a ghost touch on it? Mm-hmm. It does. Do you want it? That's very good. So one thing you can do, I added this new module to Founder, which is really cool. Next to it, at the end of the Ghost Touch Whip entry, you should see... Give item. Yeah, you see a little thing that says... Oh, nice. Which is weird, though. Yeah. Oh, you accepted it. Yep. Cool. There you go. Yeah, because you have a ghost ruin, right? Mook has a ghost ruin, right? So, yeah. Okay. So I think what happens then is that, you know, that scene kind of plays out. You find... So, uh, there's some time phase. I don't know. Did anyone even take any damage? I don't think so, right? No, probably no. did. Oh, so, Mukta did. Oh, you took one, one point of damage. Of, uh, yep. damage. Damage, Mukta. 
Would you like to heal your one point of damage? You can lay on hands and refocus. There's millions of ways you guys can do it. Um, nah, we don't need to. He's tough. Laying on. So what's going to happen is we the, the scene transitions. We go back. We've explored the secret side kind of passage. The cast is now standing at the top of this deep, dark staircase, looking down with your light, Nular, like shines down the staircase. It looks like it descends probably like a good 30 feet. Ooh. This wide staircase is 15 feet wide and it just goes down and down and down. And you can hear deep down below a weird sort of pitiful moaning sound echoing up from the vault below. As the group sits here, taking some deep breaths, ready to take the first step of what may be the end of their adventuring career, and we'll find out soon, uh, the camera shifts just slightly towards our rogue, Mukta. And so the camera, we see Mukta. Mukta, what's going on with you? Uh, As we're walking down the stairs, Mukta's just... uh... Looking over at Helarmony Pensive, recalling a conversation during the night of celebration at the Rowdy Rockfish. Okay. And so the, the camera, like, it does, like, the weird, like, and we get the, like, flashback, and the text at the bottom of the screen reads, two days earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's, there's some raucous, right? The music's going. Uh, people are celebrating. Uh, we have Lazda reunited with his mom, Brelda. They're like they're not leaving each other's side all night. So loud, it's actually really hard to hear what's going on. Uh, just the general ruckus. Al has just finished spinning a story on top of a table, rousing everyone. And I think he kind of descends, sweaty, and catches Mukta. Uh, I'll, uh, I have an ale ready for, for Hal, and... Uh... I'll hand it over to him and uh, direct him over to a table in the corner that's a little bit more quiet. Woo, rock on. We'll be here all night. Be right back. <laughs> I'll walk off stage. Nice. That was uh, quite the performance, Al. You better, you better, you bet. <laughs> uh, night for celebrations, for sure. Indeed. Uh, thank you for this ale. Of course. Not the first one of the night you gave me, but... Certainly, probably not the last one. I'm sure you'll be fine in the morning. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> Been doing this for a week now. Yeah. Uh, I had, wanted to talk for, to you for a bit. Um, it, you know, might be the ale talking, you know, the celebration of our victory, but um, how are you doing, Hal? I, I'm okay. I mean... We have to make more money so I can, or become the mayor, so I can go back to Diobel and win the hand of Caroline, of course. Bum, bum, bum. But uh, we're doing okay so far. It's only been a little while. We made some money. Well, some of us gave it away. (laughs) For a purpose, for a purpose. Of course. Uh, So you're you're really behind becoming mayor then. That's what you want? I see this going two ways, right? I become the mayor and I have a station now, right? I'm part of the community, the leaders, right? The, the, all the lords and ladies, they have to listen to what I tell them. Um, and, you know, Caroline's dad is a, a lord of Diobel. Um, I'm not really sure what kind of work he does, but uh, he's certainly one of the high uppers. So, or we go down further in this 
plant light and we find all the treasure. Not like the treasure for the spiders, but more like the treasure for the dragon. So if you have enough treasure, then uh, no need for mayor, huh? I mean, if I become the mayor, I can hold on to the treasure and reinvest sure. it into the community. Now that uh, we know that you want to become mayor, are you ready to become I, mayor? I just tell people what to do, right? <laughs> eh, in a sense, but... Uh, Give rousing speeches out on the Grand Lawn, say, hear ye, hear ye, and everybody joins, and I come up on the stage, and I bow, and then play some music and mesmerize everybody, and then... You might... We might come out of this alive. You might become the next mayor, but uh, whether you can hold on to that station is a different story, huh? Mm. Being elected mayor and being mayor are two different things, huh? Okay. So you can be the person in charge of the election. Are you strong enough? I don't lift very much muscle, just my glute from time to time. To be a leader, Hal, you have to be strong. Not for yourself. Is that why Lunara is always in the front? It is. Hmm, you know why she's strong, though? Because she's Not got Not for that. her. She's strong to protect us, which she's done oh. quite a few times. So you're looking for the mayoral, whatever that word is, the protection from the mayor? Like, uh... <laughs> What is that, a pardon? I'm not worried about me, Hal. I can take care of myself. I'm as, I want you to think and think hard. Do you have the strength to protect the people you care about once you hold the responsibility and the power? Because you will have to protect them. I mean, aren't there guards and stuff like that? No. What do you you mean, are though? the leader. You are the mayor. I saw you the guard. first and foremost must protect the people you care about. I, I'm pretty sure we saw some guards that were giving you a hard time when we got here. <laughs> guards can be bought. Remember that. Huh? And perfect. Zamir has all the money. We hear the crowds kind of getting rowdy behind you, right? And the voices are getting louder. They're like, we want sweet Caroline again. Mm-hmm. And they begin chanting, Caroline, Caroline. Caroline, let's do it. Caroline, my <laughs> Your fans await you, Hal, but just think about what I've said, huh? Okay. Make more money, hire some more guards, do some push-ups and push-ups and pull-ups, and tell people what to do. Perfect. All right, I'll, I'll be ready when it's ready. They said like a month. We don't have much time. We should get down back to the uh, the halls below the lighthouse. We should. I think I've been drinking too much ale. I'm getting all sentimental. Go, go, have fun. Shoo, get out of here. All right. Thank you for the... So- like down it and go back I, to play. I the down mine song. and go get another one as well. Yeah, so Hal like goes off and then the, the camera lingers just on Mukta for just a little bit. So like what's Mukta's reaction to the to the sort of response he just got? He's Mukta smiles at first as he watches Hal go and then for a moment when he's by himself he takes a, a more moderate sip. Uh he's actually been drinking less than what people might have assumed. Um Puts down the ale and just looks over the crowd, looking to see any of uh, familiar faces that might be marking Hell Harmony. And then uh, just slowly thinks about uh, his own options and going forward and what choices he might have to make in the future. And there's sort of like the wavy lines, like doodaloo, 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 as that kind of like wavy turns back. And we see, you know, Mukta staring at Hal. You guys, uh, Mukta's in the back behind Hal as you guys descend in the diamond formation down into the darkness. 
as you guys descend, the further down you go, the more unkempt and sort of decay is showing on this staircase. So this crumbling staircase leads to a cracked and badly stained mosaic tile floor. To the south, a walkway encircles a round, gaping pit, leading to a spiral staircase that clings to the inside edge of that pit. A twisted iron banister follows the edge of the walkway and stairs. The acrid smell of chemicals and rot with just a tinge of sulfur wafts up from the pit's darkness. Strange moaning echoes up the shaft. And as you kind of reach the bottom of these stairs and Nulara's taking the lead, uh, the first thing that you notice as, um, as the light kind of goes out just at the edge of your dark vision, Nulara, there's this strange creature. So th this pit opens, right? It's this round pit, huge diameter. It looks just to send straight down in darkness, right? But on this floor where it kind of levels out to you guys, there's a door to the west, the south, and the east from this chamber that are all on this level. But what catches your eye, and particularly your ear, is on the door to your left facing east, there's this weird creature that looks like this. It's a weird mound of flesh that just lumps there. It seems to breathe in different directions. It has eyeballs facing in every which way. Dozens of mouths with long tongues hang out and loll as it just sits there, ugh, like banging its head repeatedly against that door. And it has this loud, pitiful, moaning-type cry that wails out into the darkness. It's, it's actually, as you get closer, uh, and it becomes more in focus, it's actually a language. It's being spoken in Aklo. And I don't know which of the group can actually understand Aklo. It's this weird kind of like... I, uh... Give me a second. That, that sounds okay. familiar. It's you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's Mukta. I don't know who else. Yeah. But it's this weird serpentine underground secret language that a lot of these dark creatures speak. And it's it's just speaking such crazy nonsense. Every mouth is speaking its own thought pattern and none of them are cohesive and all the words mingle and it washes over you. And even if you don't understand them, it hurts your brain. But like one mouth is just spouting a recipe for chocolate cake. The other one is like, like crying for their missing wife. One of the other mouths is like saying, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And they all mingle around you in this terrible fashion. And uh, right around then, like, it, like the blob kind of like stops as like all like the shift kind of, it doesn't really look right. It doesn't have any form. It's just a blob. It kind of shifts and you just see most of the eyes start looking up in your direction as you come down with this light source. And right when you can feel that tense moment, like maybe fighting is about to start or something, that's when it comes, this loud, painful, high-pitched crying noise. This pitiful moan echoes from around the corner. These two creatures that were kind of hidden in alcoves at the end of the staircase step out, reveal themselves to you. And for just a moment, Clovis... You have a flashback to hiding in a tiny little cavern, squeezing yourself in as you were retreating from a thrashing drake, a river drake who you now wear, was trying to eat your friends and you tried to escape 
to safety. And as you moved up that tunnel, you heard this pitiful moan that stopped you in your tracks and scared you into not going. This is that same moan, the same cry, the same howling. And you see one of these creatures step out from like the alcoves. This creature is humanoid in shape it's got eyes it's got arms it's got a body it's kind of hulking it's about a normal person size its arms are rubbery and hanging at its side it has to like move and like use momentum just to move them this weird bulbous rubbery facsimile of a human being begins to cry pitifully in your presence can the heroes please roll me initiative welcome to the abomination vaults Let's go. Uh, so let me unpause the game. Let me add everything to the initiative tracker. Yep. So you guys are descending down the stairs right into this. There's this large, large shaft. There is like, uh, there is this big pit, right? It's huge. Um, and you can see like there is a guardrail, but like presumably you could push something over the edge and have it tumble down. Yourselves included, I will warn you. I rolled a 14 for my initiative. Were you using scouting, Nular, to give everyone a plus one initiative? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was your that was that was the exploration activities you gave me earlier. I just assumed you guys oh, okay, were using okay. the same ones. The difference here, because you gave everyone a plus one, you're actually going to beat this thing in initiative because you go from fourteen to fifteen. Nice. So it actually makes a difference. Gigantic. The rest doesn't matter, I don't think. The rest look like it falls into place. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll keep the same order. So, at the start of combat. I thought it said gibbering mother. <laughs> <laughs> this weird gibbering mouther, right? And this this uh, large flesh stops baiting itself against this door, notices something, flops around, and begins slithering your way. So it takes a stride action, and for that stride action, it slithers 10 feet closer to you. Doesn't look particularly fast, but... It lashes out, it, like it looks at you, Nulara, and one of these like mouths, one of these tongues, like lolls out, and like the tongue lifts up, and there's this like tiny jet of acid that shoots out from beneath one of the tongues right at you, and it's gonna make a spittle attack. Ooh, that's new. Um, that is a thirty-two to hit. Uh, hits. Does it? Do you want to double check your AC and make sure? No, I'm a twenty-three now. Yep. So it's not a crit. So it's not a crit, but it does hit. Okay. So it then does its spittle damage. It hits you square in the face. Pretty low on the damage, 46, and I roll 10. Okay. So it hits your face. It begins burning your eyes. Um, I need you to make a fortitude saving throw. Is that another recovery check type of thing? This isn't quite persistent damage. Uh, 27. 27 is enough. The DC on this is 22. So the acid hits you in the face. You manage to like use the of your hands and like get it out of your eyes in time before it starts. It was blinding your eyes, right? It started burning. It was trying to blind you, but you managed to stop it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you do take the 10 damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's going to stride the, the last uh, 10 feet it has to kind of, I guess it can't go two diagonals. I guess it's just, it's just going to stride here and stay right at the in the middle. All right, and that's its turn. That brings us to Mukta. You did not beat this thing in initiative. I did not, unfortunately. But the two things that are revealing themselves from around the corner seem to at least be flat-footed to you. Right. Um, 
Left or right? Uh, let's see. Your left or stage left? Because of Rob. Uh, stage left. Stride. For my first action. Uh huh. Second action, I will quick draw my short bow and attack. Okay. It is partially covered by the corner, so it's going to get a slight yeah. thing, but you can still target it. That's fine. Um, I guess I could have moved up one at the same. Yeah. Okay. It's the same. So. It's the same either way. Okay. Yeah. Take that shot. Roll good. That is a 33 to hit. 33? Nice. Oh. Nice. Is a critical hit. All right. Oh, I do got to... Okay, do your critical hit, and then I got to stop and rewind a little bit because I did forget something. That's fine. That's 30 points of damage. Wow, 30 points of damage. Yeah, you um, hit this thing. It's got a humanoid body shape, and you assume it has the same anatomy underneath that a human would have, and you place that that sort of arrow right where the heart would be, and it it strikes true, and you see it takes quite a bit extra damage. Now, we were talking something about... um, Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Something about, like, weapon effects. Oh, do you have a... Do you have weapon specialization on your boat? I I thought I got... You may. uh, I thought I got that last... When I got level five. That is a definite possibility. Weapon Uh, effects, yes. So if you use a bow, you crit specialize, right? Uh, when you critically see it against using an agile finance, you apply the critical specialization effect for the weapon you're wielding. And so for crit a... against flat-footed. Yep, and he is flat-footed, and this is a bow attack, and the bow crit specialization effect is the arrow pierces through his heart, out the back, pins him to the wall, and he can't move. He's, like, stuck there trying to move away from the wall, and he's unable to. <laughs> nice. Until he uses, like, an action to break free. So, yes, he is pinned there. He can no longer move. He's also bloodied in one strike. <laughs> so this is where I'll pause and rewind. As you move up for just a second, that adrenaline kicked in and caused you to, like, not be affected. But you hear the pitiful moans from these creatures wash over you. You hear the crazed voices from the gibbering mouth or creature washing over you. You're going to have to make some saves to not be affected by it. So let's start with the piteous moan. Can right. you make a will saving throw? All right. This, this is an auditory effect. Oof. That's I don't a know. 15. It's I'm weird because it, point. it's a it's a constant. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. You did earn an extra one. It's it, like how you can do it, but I think because not everyone's making the save at the exact same time, it's like at the start of your turn. If you use your reaction to do it, it would only affect that one person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although if you want to use your reaction to counter this, I will allow you to kind of spend that reaction and focus point, and I'll apply whatever you roll to everyone's save for the first round it's up to you um yeah if you're gonna apply it to everybody being so generous mechanically it makes sense because it's meant to like affect like do an effect that's attacking you but in this case it's like a constant effect so i will allow you to do one performance to repel so to speak can i hold off on my hero point then yes hold off on your hero point all right so this would be a performance check 29 29 so you can take the 29 from Hal's performance I will definitely take the 29 (laughs) yes so Hal you begin uh, riffing out uh, whatever it is you do uh, describe how you're countering this musical mode because it's the moans the piteous moans and the the crazed voices all mingling as it washes over your whole group I will probably just uh, sing something like get back to where you once belonged (laughs) yeah 
It's weird because it says you or your ally is affected by a saving throw, and then it says you make a performance check for you and your allies. So, yeah, I'm just going to... Yeah, it's definitely working. Okay, so 29. It successfully drowns out the pitiful, piteous moan. It also successfully drowns out the gibbering. You're not affected. You're actually... Uh, it's a critical, critical success on both. So, in the meantime, you are not affected, and you become immune to the piteous moan for one minute. So, good job. Nice. So, Very I good. think you may All still have nice. another action. All right. Uh, for my other action, I will... Uh move back <laughs> okay you actually you're immune to both effects for one minute so that's awesome and that's that my takes, turn that is to clovis now clovis are you taking the 29 on your auditory saves as well sure why wouldn't exactly so you're also immune to these auditory effects Right. Somebody in like YouTube is gonna be like, uh, actually, Steve, uh, you can only do it against one effect at a time, and this is two distinct effects. And they're probably technically right, but mm -hmm. it's awesome, and I don't care. Clovis, <laughs> go ahead and take okay. your turn. So, question: Where do I need to get to for? Is there a way for a thirty-foot cone to hit both these guys? The cone. So you're talking about like hitting these two? Yeah, these two. How long is the cone? Thirty. Thirty feet. I mean, thirty feet cone's huge, right? Yep. So yeah, you could do that. You will also note that, like, there's a third one hiding right here that, like, uh, Mukta just demolished. Right. He's behind so you, here. I just can't see him. Right. Um, I don't think there's a way to get all three of them and not guess, hit Nulara. No. Uh, how about if I move over here? I still have movement. Would I be able to hit this one that Mukta got and this other one? So. Yeah, it's the same thing, right? It's just. It's yeah, yeah. I'm going to hit both towards there. So it's, all right. So I'm going to do uh, Vomit Swarm. Okay. That's a awesome. DC 21 reflux save. Okay. So let's make that save for both of them. Nice. That is a fail on both. Nice. nice. I will my damage. So uh, join us next week where our, our new night, Sunday night, where we roll <laughs> much better. <laughs> right. Uh, right. We're so, so much better in combat. I, yeah, it's not a critical fail. It's just a fail, so they take full damage. They each take 13 points of... Piercing damage. Yeah, just piercing damage. Also, they become sickened one by the uh, the effects of these bugs that continue to uh, to bite on them. That's my movement and my spell, so that's my turn. Sweet. That takes us to Hal. All right. Did his vomit swarm do anything to that guy in the middle bottom? Yes. It got hit, like, 13 points of bugs. It actually, like, it hit over it. The creature looks pretty sick, and you see, like, a lot of the mouths are now, like, chewing on the bugs. There's, like, a dozen mouths, each one, like, full of bugs. I'm, like, chewing it up. All right, I want to do a lingering composition. Okay. I'm going to make it lingering composition with courage. Roll. I'm playing my music. I believe this is your second focus point of the combat, correct? Nice. Uh, that is a success, not quite a critical success. So three rounds of inspired courage for everyone. Thank you. Through the like piteous moan and through the like crazy voices, Hal like cuts through and instills courage with his words. Good job. And I have this guy right here. I would like to use telekinetic maneuver and shove him into this. Is it a hole you said behind him? It's like an open pit. There's like a low sort of like broken sort of railing that's yep. like decayed to age. So you're basically pushing them back through the railing and over the edge. Oh, oh, I like oh, to do that. Cool. 
Okay, so you're making a telekinetic shove effect. So you make the spell attack roll. I believe you're targeting its fortitude save, correct? Um, I don't know what it is. It's a shove, right? What is a shove? I'll look it up. Put it in the thing. Yep. All right. Yep, that's fine. So a shove is against the fortitude DC. I'm going to use a hero point on that. Hero yes. point. Yes. Hero point. Come Make on. it count. I'm going to push that blob over now. Awesome. Oh, yes. Every single time, Dude, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Natural twenty, hero pointed in. A lot of Christian chats. Boy, that is a lot of Christian chats. Same thing happened last last Wednesday. Yeah, hero points. That's so cool. Awesome. So it does fall over the edge of the thing. You push it back. The railing breaks. This thing starts falling like over the edge. And remember, it's just blob with like mouths and like tongues. There's no limbs or anything. So normally in like Pathfinder, when something is pushed over the edge, they can use a reaction to like grab the edge. But in this case, he's got no limbs to actually grab and stop from falling over. So you just watch as you push him back, the rail bursts, and he falls. <laughs> the, like gibbering noise down the dark tunnel. And it, and it just, you just hear it fall for like a long time. It falls so far, you don't even hear it hit the bottom. Ooh, ooh, it is a long way down there, obviously. Yeah, pal. I think that was good. Uh, I think that was awesome. awesome. Protect me. <laughs> okay. I like that spell. That's an awesome spell. It's two combats in a row you've made, or two oh. sessions in a row you've made good use of it. That is so freaking And for doing that awesome thing, I know you spent a hero point, hero take point. a freaking hero point back. Yes, awesome. well deserved. Definitely well deserved. Absolutely deserved. All right, Nular. Okay, for my first action, I'm going to stride over uh, this creature that Mokta already injured. Yep, it's, it's pinned. pinned against the wall. Yeah, so does it say if it gets immobilized? Uh, um, I have to look at. Ooh, the... we have an attack of opportunity. Well, it might just—it might definitely be like flat-footed or something, you know. But anyways, that—that's fine. Uh, for now, you can go ahead. You move around it. You see it pinned the arrow. It's. Rubbery arms are trying to do something. The target is immobilized and must spend an interact action to attempt a DC 10 athletics check to pull the missile free. Perfect. So I will put the immobilized effect on it, which I believe gives you uh, some extra bonuses, such as being flat-footed and stuff. So go ahead. You do move around it. You see it pinned there with Muktazera. Yes, and then for my second action, I'm going to hit it with my with a coarse blade. Go for it. On Kara's blade, it is. 34. Uh, that's a critical hit. Awesome. Sunday rolls. Yeah, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. Damage. Completely destroys this thing. Okay. Awesome. And as you cut through it, you slice through it. Um, It like, you watch it, like you tear it open, right? And it like, it falls limp. And then you watch it, it starts going, and it like starts opening up. And it explodes in an acid wash that is actually a 30-foot emanation. (laughs) Yes, this thing explodes. So let me just... uh, A fortitude save. It's like 30 feet in every way. Uh, I think it does splash back towards Hal and Clovis, but you guys get... Uh, bonuses you're saved because of the corner. I'm going to give you guys a plus two circumstance bonus to uh, your Clovis, reflex save. Clovis isn't going to worry about anything. Hmm? I have drink. 
Drake, uh, you have Drake. you have a certain amount of acid protection, but not immunity to acid damage. So uh, if you all you Lara, Clovis, and Hal make a fortitude saving throw with a plus two circumstance bonus for Clovis and Hal. Okay. All right. So would you say Will? Sorry, Will save. It's a fortitude save. Fortitude. Twenty-two for Nalara. Okay. Uh, that is a success. So I think you take half damage. Okay. House, another natural twenty. Clovis, another natural twenty. Oh All right. Sunday. 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 Amazing. Okay. You take half of that damage, so you're actually only going to take three points of acid damage washing over you, and it explodes, and it's no more. Okay. Okay, um, so for my third action, I would like... It to... actually, for the record, it washes completely over the other one that's on the other side. The acid splashes over it, and it hits it, and washes off it and seems to have no effect. Acid. <laughs> I'm going to raise my shield for my third action. All right, raising your shield. Mm-hmm. That's it for my turn. All right. This one here, the one that's left, it's it's doing its moan, but it doesn't matter because like Hal's like made you guys immune to it. So it starts by uh it's going to start, even though it's it's slight uh detrimental because of the range, it goes and it spits a stream of acid at you, Nulara. The same sort of acid that just exploded on you a minute ago. Um, but this is an actual attack roll it must make. Okay. So, my shield is raised. Twenty-two um, is gonna miss. miss. Yep. So, oh, uh, you get your shield up. It splatters out the front of your shield. Um, it then, when that doesn't work, it uses its action to stride forward here, and then it like it bites at you with its claw. Or actually, sorry, it claws at you. It doesn't have a good enough bite. It uses its little rubbery hand, and there's a little claw there, and it goes and brings it across the front and tries to slash you with its second attack with a slight penalty and that's even worse so misses and that's it that's its turn these abomination vaults are no problem for you mukta top of round two usually dead by right. this point yeah, right. i'm going to drop my short bow okay. as i do run over here draw my rapier and strike yes you will go for it you have it's flat-footed because of the flanking get him indeed all right 26 yeah, that's a hit. Not quite a crit, but close. All right, I'll take it still. Uh, 13 points of damage. Yeah, a little low on the damage. 13 points of yeah, damage. I rolled two ones, but what can you do? <laughs> so you aim for like where you think its kidneys would be, right, from the behind, but you hit, and like whatever has warped it has kind of shifted its kidneys in a slightly less position, so you don't get the, the strike you wanted. All right, and for my third action, I will aid Nulara. Thank you. What are you using to aid right. this time? Um, they're going to do the same thing. I have my rapier, um, so I'm going to feint an attack. Perfect. All right, that brings us to Clovis. Okay, Clovis is going to move up here. Okay. And I am going to ask Worms repassed on him. Okay. Going down the stairs is, is fine, right? You can go down the stairs. Going up the stairs oh, is like the stairs uh, right there? These are stairs, but you have enough movement to get there. I'm just saying, as you go, you go, you, you know, you, you kill yeah, over a little bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. I just want to you get. You would also be in darkness in that corner. That's true. Yeah. All right, I'll stay away. You can run up there. I'm just saying, any way you go north, you're running upstairs, right? So gotcha. um, it's not flat ground here. Yeah, I'll stay here. All right, you're casting right. worms repast. Yep. 
So this is a spell which you learned reading through Volok's sort of leftover notes, right? Yep. Maybe the first time you actually performed it, so... It is the first time. On the flesh of the target, you watch as it starts growing out from just beneath the surface, and you see, like, little worms start eating it from the inside out, Nulara, as the worms start popping its heads up from under it. So let's make that that fortitude saving throw. It gets a 23, which is a success. So it's a success, but not a critical success, so it takes half damage. Go ahead and roll the damage. Uh, success, it says target takes full initial damage, but no persistent You're right. damage. No persistent damage. So roll the full damage. That's still 46 damage. Wow. Damn. Yeah, I was reading that. I was like, wait, that's, that's pretty impressive. Okay, so full damage on that. And as it blah, 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 starts eating it up, right? You see the skin start tearing away. Um, it's bloodied, right? It's pushed past the point of bloodied, but it's not flat-footed, and it's not taking persistent damage. And the worms go away as quickly as they materialized. I'll raise my shield, and that's my turn. All right. That brings us to Hal. <clears throat> All right, I want to do a uh, electric arc on this creature. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Let's see, is this thing very dexterous? It is not. It fails its reflex saving throw. 11 points of damage. Zaps through it. Uh, It's standing there. It's got worms eating. It's got electric coursing through it. It's been, like, stabbed by everyone. It's hanging on barely. Should I get another plus one for Inspire Courage? That does not Uh, seem to be on there. Yeah, you know what? Spells don't. Uh, in the current spell system that it's not using all the bonuses correctly they are literally actively working on it and probably within a week or two with secrets of magic coming out next week it will probably be working 12 points of damage 12 points of damage still up um can i use a recall knowledge to see maybe what uh, this creature might be absolutely you can so if you don't have a specific lore that you're using um it's Basically, occultism. Okay. It's an occultism check. I will do that. 14. Oh. Uh, in the heat of this moment, right, trying to wreck your knowledge brain about what this might be, come up empty. Mukta, watch out. I think that's a kobold. <laughs> it wasn't a critical fail. <laughs> We're doomed. Run. <laughs> All right, Nilara. Seeing, like, I... I feel like I know what Mukta is going to do, so I'm going to nod at him and strike at this creature with my blade. Perfect. It is flat-footed. Mukta. It's flat-footed. Mukta, make that deception check to give her the plus one to her check. Oh, that's God, a that's a natural. Oh, wow. So, so nice. that means it's actually a plus two to your check, Nulara. Okay, so I nod at Mukta, and then I actually smirk a little bit as I arc up and try and hit this thing. Yeah, Mukta comes in and it like moves its head to dodge the blow, which then triggers you. 35, that's a critical 37. hit. Uh, that's plus, yeah, 37 actually. Yeah, it's a critical hit even without the 30, <laughs> the plus two, but 37. 22 points this last. You were actually really close to like a double crit if that was the thing. Yeah. Nulara, would you like to do this? <laughs> okay, so seeing how uh, Mukta tries to feint an attack, like I said, I'm going to arc my blade up and then as it goes up and then i see that it's a little elevated off the floor because of my strength i'm gonna push it down to the ground you push it down to the ground you pin it down there 
Oh, damn it. It explodes in a giant acid splash. <laughs> and it actually covers the entire party from this angle. So yep. I need every single one of you, including Mushi, to make a fortitude saving throw. She, you haven't been near death in forever. That's a 22 for Mukta. Uh, 24 for Nalara. Perfect. Damn. Is it is a 30 for how? Sunday roll. So I need uh, Clovis and then Mushi. Roll. Roll. Yeah. 23 for Clovis. Come on, Mushi. So Hal, a 30 is a critical success, even without being a natural 20. So you take no damage again. I think you hide behind Clovis. <laughs> Clovis, a 23 is a success. So you're going to take half. So instead of eight, you're taking four. And with your armor, it reduces it by five, I think. So you take zero. Nice. Uh, Mukta, you also take four acid damage. Right. Nulara, you take four acid damage. Okay. Did you never, did you roll for Mushi? I did not. Give the last roll for Mushi. Eight points isn't going to kill Mushi, I don't think. He's a little tougher than he used to be, this little guy. We'll see. Um, am I rolling? Does he have a 40? He's dead. He'll have the same save as you. Yeah. Nice. Oh, Mushi only takes four points of acid damage, as you see. Like, he gets rained on, and his little leaves start burning just a little bit at the fringes. Okay. He's okay. And with that, we're out of combat, and you guys have successfully navigated your first fight in the abomination vaults proper let's go I try this is a moment for you guys like to stop and reflect right yeah stop and reflect it like the awesomeness that you just beholded yeah that was really cool that's awesome <laughs> but again it's a little creepy like these things were very otherworldly right like these were not ghosts they were not undeads they were like weird contraptions of flesh and i know that how like failed your recall knowledge earlier but like this would maybe be a chance where you can stop and do another recall knowledge somebody could try to figure out what these things are if you've heard of them before uh i would like to perform a recall knowledge as well with my occultism go for it okay hang on okay. again i apologize but these fleshy creatures exploded so anything they had on them exploded with them and the leather thing that had like dozens of mouths is now pushed over the pit oh i'm untrained on Cult. Can I do religion instead? You can do religion. It'll just be a little harder. Okay. Uh, so, Mukta, I think at this point, too, that you, you kind of step forward. And you don't have dark vision or anything. Yeah, you have no idea, Nulara. Uh, you, you look over the edge of the... Uh, I think you actually know. You agree. It's probably a, a kobold. Like kobold 2.0. Exploding kobolds. <laughs> but when you look... Next? You wow, peer down over the edge. And you don't have dark vision, but it goes down. A little light that is spilling out of Nulara... This pit just goes and goes and goes, and you can see the edge of the staircase go down. Uh, it feels like an endless pit from where you are right now. We could go down there, but it'll be a long way down. I also would say, as you, you're staring at the walls and the circular shape and the size of it, the stonework, not on the floor so much, but the walls going up and down, because it also goes down. Instead of just going down, it also kind of goes up a little bit before it ends at the ceiling above you. The white stonework looks untouched by time, it's marvelous and immaculate and calls back the interior of the gauntlet itself. Given the shape and the position it's in, you come to the conclusion you are very likely, especially being a Warren navigator and all, mm -hmm. you're very likely beneath, directly. directly beneath the gauntlet itself. This is wow. an extension of the lighthouse. What is it? So, Maybe that light 
coming from the pit up. You know, I'm trying to, if I remember correctly, um, when I was looking at uh, Belcora's journal, she did say that she was trying to have something for Nimbaloth, right? You are correct. She. It was more that um, there was a spot below the earth, which she called the empty vault, where she says Nimbaloth touched this fragile world, in her words. And the callings, the visions that Nimbaloth gave her caused her to seek it out and to build the dungeons down to find it. Bokor is a little obsessive. And then I relay, I, I just remind everyone about uh, that part of the journal. You said empty vaults, Steve? The empty vault is what she called it. Yeah, it should be in your journal that, that you have for her too and stuff. Well, this pit also leads directly straight back up to the, the gauntlet, so. Should we turn back or? It means uh, something down there. There's got to be something down there that's uh, feeding the light upward. I would think. True. But I don't know. Do we? I don't think we want to go down there directly, do we? I think we need to. Yeah, weren't there f three other doors? Yeah, so from where you're looking, right, through the broken railing where Hal did an awesome maneuver and, and broke this railing, right, there's a door to your left which heads stage left, so it heads east where that creature was hitting its head against the wall. Uh, directly across the pit, Bef right before the staircase starts descending, there's a door to the south. And then to the right, on the west side of the room, there's another door that leads, you know, west, right? Uh, there's like a little wall. So like, it's like, if you were to like, jump down, you could kind of jump around the wall and, and descend the staircase. And then there's also the fourth path you can go is the staircase just descends deeper, deeper. And with your dark vision, Ular, you look over the edge going down, it looks like it descends about 40 feet down to the next level. Mm. And then the staircase continues to go lower. And you can see it for about 20 more feet as the staircase goes even lower. And that's as far as your vision can see. Uh, and as well, you look over the edge, mm -hmm. you get a glimpse of a large, weird, worm-like creature that looks to be standing guard. I'll give you a... Uh, and this one was on the north side, right? I'm talking about the staircase going down, like south, oh. right? If you oh. were to follow the staircase down 40 feet below you, there's a large purple creature, like a centipede-type worm, holding a sword in its tail, and it intensely looks to be looking down the staircase, so much so that it doesn't notice you above, and you're able to pull back before it notices you. Okay, so this outside is just a bunch of staircase, but at the end of it is... This giant worm with a sword on its tail, like wrapped around its tail. We also have these doors over here, and then I point at the doors and relay the information. So I guess the question for you guys is, which way would you like to go? When I was uh, leaving Diobel, my uh, father said, go west, young man. So, of course, being my father, I did not heed his words, and I went east, and I found you guys. That was good, but um, I think maybe we should go west. My mother always said, West is best. And, uh, you know, I always listen to my mother. Of course. I did pop up the purple worm creature you saw, Nular. Oh, jeez. Oh, I guess you wouldn't know it's purple oh, because boy. you don't have color. But it's a large, and it's large. It's, it's a large creature. It takes up four squares. We'll die if we go down this south side. It's a purple people eater. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so, Nular, was just like a little worm, you know? Nope. With, like... <laughs> it was a huge worm. It, I think it would crush 
<laughs> its legs are one of its legs is taller than you walked oh yeah maybe we don't go down the stairs right now <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah i think if your mother and your father says if your parents are all right with west then we should probably go west as long okay. as we don't go south not yet anyway no <laughs> so you guys all get together and start to get back in your marching order. You guys didn't get too damaged in this fight. Like you guys have been rocking this like two fights in a row. Where you guys are like rolling through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Critical rolls. Yeah. You guys are fighting creatures that are lower level than you, which is shiny. You guys are seeing how powerful you are because a couple of the rough fights have been creatures much more powerful than you, right? Single creatures that are more powerful. You're realizing when you're dealing with like groups of as equal or slightly weaker creatures, you guys seem to rock the shit out of it. So well, that's cool. It's Sunday, so we're rolling good. And well, it's Sunday. You know, we are <laughs> pretty hot. So. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now in the Sundays. Right. Understand it's not the devil. It's uh, we're hot because we're hot. So Nulara takes the lead and moves up to this door, which doesn't appear locked. You open it, and as you guys kind of file into that next room beyond, you see this kind of like chamber. Rusted iron chains hang from the ceiling of this room each ending in an oversized manacle. The octagonal eastern end of the room contains a circular pit covered by a rusted iron grate. Torn bolts and scrap metal dangle from the ceiling above this pit. A rusted set of bars hangs across the western edge of the room, creating what looks to be a large cell. Piles of scrap fill the four alcoves within that cell and three piles of weird blob, fleshy piles sit within the cell, looking like a science experiment gone wrong. It almost looks as if a creature has been turned inside out and left in a pile on the ground. Like something turned these creatures inside out and left them here. From the one closest to the gate, a beautiful looking short bow, half encased in its flesh, sticks out the top. Found your treasure. Hey, Mukta, do you see what I see? I also see it. Immediately, Mukta, you notice with your trap finding ability, it's not so much a trap, but this rusted grate will give out if any significant weight is put on it. I'd walk forward. Wait, I grab onto it real quick. <laughs> what? Wait. What? You that grate over there. I don't think it would even support my weight. So. Be careful where you step. Is that weight is not so great? Is that great? Doesn't tear you much weight? If you step on it, it'll be dead weight. You're getting pretty good at this, Mukta. <laughs> it's so interesting to be adventuring with a songwriter because everything that comes out of you guys is our rhymes. <laughs> I'm a poet and I did not even know it. But your big feet showed it. What do you want to look at? What do we see? Right. The other thing, too, is like from here, there's a doors that go to the north. There's doors that go to the south. There's this rusted grate and, you know, this holding cell that now holds three turn inside out turned creatures that are just like, you know, lying there on the floor. How far down is it, do you think? Yeah. Can we see anything past the grate? Like what's on the bottom? You'd have to get a little closer. You have to step into the room, and get a little closer, but that's fine. I'll so step quietly, trying to not get these creatures attention yep you look down and it looks like a dark pit and then new lara puts her shield out to give you a little light because mm -hmm. you know and then you see it like through this sort of like rusted grate going down it looks like there's about a 20 foot to 25 foot fall 
if you were to fall through this grate. And you can see below it, it looks to be just another level of the dungeon, just an empty room right below this. Doesn't appear to be anything below. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe we could use this as a sort of trap against those creatures if they mindlessly rush forward, but uh, I kind of want that short bow. Uh, which uh, which short bow are you speaking of? You, you see that one kind of... You see what looks like kind of like a colon, you know? Like kind <laughs> of wrapped inside there. Like in the music, you know, it explains the next thing? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that. Everything's on it. <laughs> you see it, huh? Oh, is that thing over there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hey, do you want that short bow? Maybe I can... Uh, perhaps I can grab it with my invisible hand. A moon you haven't... Oh, I forgot you had the uh, invisible hand. You didn't sure. forget the other night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Flashback. <laughs> Flashback. <laughs> they were drunk. Oh, no. That's a, that's not... A, friends, that's not what I meant. He was... <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Oh, me. you let what? the cat out what of the bag. What happened, you guys? He was oh, pouring me some ale. We he was pouring me some ale. And I was no, taking no. it from his table to where he was pouring it, then I was bringing it back to me on the stage. Don't you remember? It's okay. We understand. Please, you, please, guys were, you guys were drunk. We get please, it. Soki never kisses and tells. <laughs> hey, good for you guys. But yeah, absolutely you can whip out your mage hand and, and try to finagle this bow out of this creature. That's what I said the other night. Nulara, <laughs> Nulara, I told yeah. they were acting awful funny that morning, didn't I? You thought it was That's a hangover, right? Oh, did they... They couldn't even look at each other in the eyes the next morning. So how? Can you explain to me what is the weight limit on your mage hand? Yes. Uh, At third level, you can target an unattended object with a bulk of one or less. One bulk is pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's actually much better than it was before, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This bow is a one bulk thing. So I think you reach out, you use the mage hand, it reaches out. I will give a, ch- uh, a check here. Can you give me a thievery check to see how finesse you can be with this bow? Okay. Let's see. A thievery. Because it's not quite unattended, but I want to give you a chance at this because it sounds really cool. Not so good at this. But better than I thought. Better than you thought. You... I will say you beat the creature's DC. So you reach out with your mage hand and pull it up out. And this short bow, this really nice looking short bow gets yanked right out of this creature and floats with your hand right on the other side of these like ale cell bars. And with a little bit of finagling, you're able to slide it right through the bars and pull this bow right over to you. And you have successfully extracted the bow from the creature. All right, Mukta. Don't say I never gave you nothing, so here you go. You giving uh, it to Mukta? I can't use oh, it. Oh, hell, you shouldn't have. You're too kind to me. <laughs> and, and not only did you steal the short bow, you killed the creature as well. Oh. Quite it's an still, amazing feat, my friend. It is a nice short bow. It's definitely magical, as you can tell how, like, enchanted. The runes carved on it and this composition. You know that this is a plus one striking composite short bow. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Sounds magical. Very magical. Uh, so I'll get that uh, out to your character sheet as soon mm-hmm. as we can. Almost as magical no, as your night. But really, Hal, that was uh, quite impressive. 
if uh, you ever decide to quit music, I might have a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think as you guys sit here, like have this like finishing like kind of conversation, you see like in the back, this creature that you thought up to the point, maybe it was dead. The one in the back kind of like shifts a little bit and like rolls over and stretches its like body a little bit. And you can tell, oh shit, these things are not dead. They are actual live creatures that are like somehow turning that out and still surviving. And you have to make a quick decision of whether you're going to head north or south or back to where way you came. But unless you want the scene to wake up and notice you're here. I'm going to go closest to the south door because... I guess the other point, just to be safe, right? This thing is inside a cell and the bars are really tiny, so it couldn't actually get out if it wanted to. Okay. Sorry, I was trying to move my token. Uh, <laughs> I don't trust sure. that at all, so... Yeah. That's just the apparent situation. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'll go to the south. Which way does your mama tell you to go? Besides west, south or north, Mukta? Uh, whatever is quickest away from these creepy creatures. So <laughs> south. <laughs> what I'll say is, you guys end up like rushing out of the room to the south, right? Uh, down, down this uh, like hallway, and it opens up. It turns south. This hallway has some like nice sort of uh, features to it, right? It has like frescoes painted. It looks like you have pictures of like warriors and monsters fighting each other's on the wall. And um, immediately you come across like a set of doors on your left. And the words written in uh, undercommon right above, it says uh, first aid. What does it say? I should really learn how to (laughs) read this. Uh, First aid. It might be a good room to take a breather in. If we need it, shall we head in? Sure. Perhaps there's some uh, healing potions that you might need more. Oh, so I'll it. check the door. Door looks untrapped. You don't sense any traps. It doesn't look locked. You go in and you find yourself in a room. It's fairly big, right? It's like a walk closet. It's probably bigger than most bedrooms you've been in. Uh, shelves of dusty bottles and surgical equipment line the walls in this room. Cobwebs and dust hint that this chamber has remained untouched for quite some time. At the center of this room stands a solitary pushcart. And in this pushcart, there is all sorts of supplies that you kind of look at. A lot of them look to maybe have been uh, sort of decayed or lost their functionality to time. But, in fact, you do find quite a bit of... um, usable material so let me drag this uh this item to the uh, treasures this is the supply closet treasure item you can raid there's a couple of healers kits including one that looks fancier which is called an expanded healers kit there's two wands just hanging on this art there's a bottle of some sort of like weird vial that looks to be alchemical reagents that you could just use in general alchemy and then the other three things are three potions of some sort that you have no idea what they do. So I'll let you guys sort through that gear and kind of have a minute here to role play it out and, and figure out. But this is a good point for you guys to like retreat in here, kind of close the doors, catch your breath and figure out your next step as you raise the supply closet, right? You found the first aid kit. I will refocus my focus point. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I've been asking for um, like first aid lessons from Clovis. So I was gonna ask if I could have one of the healers' kits. 
of course. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sweet. I'll take the uh, expanded pillars tools. But that's cool. Sure. Um, why don't you take those wands as well? It's my down. Okay. And, and uh, as you kind, of, I will say, like as you guys go through the cart and figure out who's taking what items and stuff, just to kind of fill the space and give a little bit of story that you kind of come across. There's some like paperwork here, like a clipboard. And as you look through it and kind of try to figure out what this room or even this floor is about, you can see that there's like a list. It, it basically is like listed as like gladiators uh, supply list. And there's a lot of stitches and band-aids and like scalpels and things of that nature. And as you raid this and look at some of the stuff, especially this discarded, the splints, the things like that, it seems like this is some kind of first aid station that they would use to tend to warriors after battle, gladiators of some sort. And it kind of matches the frescoes you saw painted out on the wall where there's people and humanoids fighting monsters and stuff. Whatever this was, this was like the kind of stuff you'd expect to find in like a corner, a boxing match corner man stuff to help people pass them up after a fight. And this push cart could be pushed out and rolled further into the dungeon to wherever, you know, it needed to go. It's like a nurse's station. Huh. How interesting. I haven't seen these types of rooms in a while. I'm going to look for the hidden snacks. Okay. <laughs> Perf- they, there are plenty of like snacks and then you open and it's like moldy and like decayed and like, you know, it's rotted over the last 500 years. Um, you can take a bite what? if you want to. While they're refocusing, I haven't seen my maker in a while, so I'm just gonna look in the corners to see if you know, like, where where are you? Where are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're reaching out and looking in the corners. You do get a sense in the corners of these rooms as you like really focus into it and a little bit of the shadows. You do feel a presence that's here with you. The presence itself is giving off almost a warm embrace to an extent. Oh one that feels like you are definitely on the right path to the reasonings you were here. Like whatever this presence is, it approves of your recent activity. I'm going to go out on a limb and hopefully without the rest of the party hearing, I'll just go like, Angora, Angora, are you here? Uh, the shelf on the northern end quivers and the whole shelf falls over and like bangs and like scares the hell out of everyone. I was trying to be subtle, but okay. I'll try to be subtle and head. Oh, let me fix that really quick. I go to the shelf. I know during our lessons, you've, you've mentioned this name, Nimbaloth. What can you tell me about it? Him, her, them, Nimbaloth? Across the room, Clovis, you don't see or hear what Nular is doing, but something in the air gets cold around you and you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stick up. And suddenly you have a strong desire to make sure that you have that book still somewhere on your person. And over there, yes, you speak to the air and you speak the name Nimbaloth and you're trying to get some response or connection. Uh, you get nothing back. Nalara, oh. can I uh, can I see that book? Real quick, one of these that fell. That fell. No, the whispering read book that you're holding. Oh yeah, let me. I pull it out of my backpack. Here yeah. you go. As soon as you see it, there's like a, a little bit of relief that comes over you, and you feel like it's not compelling you, but you feel in the back of your mind that you need to read more. So I'll 
Do I notice the sense of the relief that washed over his face? Uh, make a perception check for me. Yes, I will. If this, this will be against Clovis's <laughs> deception, just his passive deception, which is only 11. So I think it's pretty impossible to fail this, as long as you don't roll a natural one. We don't Look, know. If he starts calling it his precious, then we have some... Uh, then we have critical some success. Money. There's definitely precious. something... Actually, not quite a critical success. Yeah, there's definitely something weird about him. Like, why now, all of a sudden, why is he asking for the book? It's weird. Isn't Cora still behind me? I'm actually just in my head, just thankful that they're there. I haven't seen uh, you don't feel the presence of the shadows anymore. Okay. The moment has passed. But, like, in your mind, you get a slight vision, just briefly, of the graveyard and of the sort of, like kind of gravesite that you had been tending to that living inside for so long in your ears you hear the cawing of a raven-like creature that nobody else seems to hear or react to okay i'll stay on the path yeah something in your vision is literally drawing you to a spot that you're very familiar with okay okay and then i'll just watch clovis yep nulara are you going to take uh, these healer's tools the t i got a a kit one of the kits. Oh, so the tools are different than the kit? Uh, well, there's three total, right? Two regular yeah. and one was the, uh, the, okay. I took the oh, it said I Hal took one. Oh. Clovis took the expanded. Yeah. So, oh, Nalar, did you get one? Yeah, take that one. Yeah, immediately you can identify these wands too between you and Hal, right? Oh. One is a wand of healing, but a level two wand of healing one. Um, and the other one is a wand of summon animal, which you can use to conjure an animal. I do not need this uh, healer's tools. Somebody else wants them. I could, I could use them if one comes down to a pinch. Yeah, I'm going to drop all five of my torches. <laughs> yeah. You're like, why the hell do I sell torches at the bottom of my bag? Dump, dump. I dump. have an ever-burning torch. Why do I need all this? Exactly. And I still have my now expanded healer's toolkit is on my belt. It's on, yeah. On me. It's a really cool find for you as well. Don't forget, you also have the bow, Mukta, which I'll add to your character in a second. How big? How many bulk is that book, the Whispering Reads? Two. Okay, I can actually carry that now. Um, yeah. Ooh. So. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, Clovis is like. It depends. Lara. I mean, no. I got it. Like, I got it. I just keep yeah, it I on it. me, me now. Are you sure? Yeah, you've been carrying it for a while. With it I mean, I'm earlier. okay to carry it, um, but you've been carrying a lot of stuff. I see you throwing your torches away, so I don't, you know, don't like to have to get rid of your torches. I mean, I never really needed them in the first place. Okay, all right. I'll let you carry the open. Thank you. So I think I think a little bit of time passes here as you guys are kind of in this this room. We do like almost like a like a, a cross as a little bit of time passes, and the last thing we see before we fade out dark, right? You guys leave your little supply closet continue on the southward path, and you see from the west east sorry to your left the east some twinkling lights in a large chamber and as you guys walk out and step into it you find yourself on a balcony that overlooks a walkway and as you look below you can see the staircase descending from that southern door the one that you didn't want to go through earlier right back towards the giant pit a giant staircase that descends from there down below you and creates a walkway that heads way far to the south and from that far south end, as you're kind of staring at this balcony, torchlight glows and reveals 
a giant arena pit sitting oh. far, far to the south. And even from where you are in this higher vision, a large, immense creature that must be close to like 50 feet tall lives in the bottom of the pit as it slithers its way across the arena. And the camera kind of pans back up this like long hallway that you guys are kind of standing over, like watching. And we just see like the horror in your eyes. This large creature making its home down here in the Abomination Vaults. Luckily, it's locked up in an arena and it's not in your immediate path. And you probably won't even have to worry about it. But that's where we fade to black. <laughs> <laughs>